I just want to say this week that uh, in our in our note for preparation, we have we have two types of documents. We have one with bullets and one with dashes, and this is a bullet week. <laughs> I, I feel like happy. the bullets uh, when you start the show note mm-hmm. note. Mm-hmm. And the dashes are when I do it. <laughs> I can make a single contribution and take over the document yeah. format. <laughs> <laughs> but most weeks I start the show notes, so it's mostly dashes. But this week, uh huh, I love bullets. I love the bullets. <laughs> I I was the one that taught you how to make bullets go in and out, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. That's and the dashes. Old shift tab feature that is the best. If you're ever using notes, you tab to make a, a list go in, and uh-huh. you shift tab to make it go back out again. It's the yeah. most best thing in the world. It is wonderful. Uh, topics this week. We're going to talk about some ads. So I feel like we talked about this last week or the week before whenever it was relevant when we were talking about um, Apple changing the uh, App Store search ads to go from not just search results to uh, today, the today page, the front page, and also to uh, actual like App Store app pages so that developers can advertise against developers. Terrible. Yeah, and I think at the same time we talked about the like the hiring trend story thing where they're like yeah. hiring loads more people in the ads unit, and uh, obviously Todd Teresi is like the VP of ads, and he's now reporting like directly to Q instead of being a subordinate of the services division and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the the writing was on the wall, and I think even at the time we were saying like, well, they're doing search ads now. If they're putting search in these places, it feels like you know ads in maps. Not not a crazy thought. And, it's like uh, the obvious next place. And yeah. And sure enough, here comes Mark Gurman with his power newsletter. Uh-huh. And uh, he says that mm-hmm. Apple is indeed exploring more ways to put ads in their software. Currently, the ads division makes about $4 billion per year, and that's through ads in the App Store, uh, Apple News and Stocks, because like the, the news section of the Stocks app has the same like Apple News ads in it, Apple mm-hmm. News ads in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously they, they have some burgeoning partnership in like the sports, live sports stuff. So like Friday Night Baseball has ads in it and Apple gets a cut of those ads too. So there's like the main sources today. And German says that collectively Apple makes about $4 billion a year from all of those efforts. And Todd Teresi wants to bring that number into double digits i.e. more than 10, which basically means at least doubling and more like tripling the the amount of revenue. And yes, you can bump the number up by making the ad placements you already have more effective, and therefore you can charge more for impressions and stuff. But also the way that you make more money from ads is you show more ads. (laughs) It's as simple as that. More ads in more places. Gurman says that Apple has already tested putting ads in the Maps app. So like when you search something, they could be like promoted points of interest i.e like search ads but for maps rather than the app store and further a bit further out he expects that they'll bring the same like search ads technology to the storefronts in the books app and the podcast app mm. searching for starbucks here's dunkin donuts and starbucks after that and ads in because like when you use google maps it, it had put ads obviously because that's how they make their money but th- this the problem is like, I don't have a problem with ads in general. I mean, we, you know, we write on an ad-supported website. This is an ad-supported podcast. It's great. We offer an ad-free option if you want to, but the, you know, the show is free and we make the money through advertising. The problem with Apple putting more ads into its software is that I feel like the transactions already happened and they're like double dipping, right? And this isn't like some crazy Pub- thought. Publications but- need to. There's not like a, well, we could exist otherwise, but we just make more money this way. It's like the business model. And with Apple... It's not the business model. It's a business model. Um, the business model is like it's a hardware sales, and then they go into services, which is you know I've got a I've got a piece I'm gonna write pretty soon that is just basically like 
minimizing app store commerce, which is just this whole idea of like, I'm mostly because of, I have to, you know, I'm exposed to this through covering it. Um, I'm just grossed out by the app store in a way that I wasn't, you know, several years ago, uh, you know, just, just because of like, you know, policy and because of, um, you know, search ads becoming front page ads and ads on, mm-hmm. on app store listings, um, you know, and the 30% cut and the 15% cut and all of that, you know, think things like you can often get a cheaper subscription outside of the app store. So just as a consumer, it's probably a better idea to look for subscriptions. Like you're going to get YouTube premium for cheaper than you would in the app. Um, but and, and all of Apple's like customer positive changes in the app store, like how pricing works and refunds yeah. and like all of that can happen without them having to take massive margins on top. Right. Yeah. Like, they could they could run that business literally at cost if they wanted yeah. to, but no, they want to make it a profit center as well. So my, they my also have to com- face the consequences of that. Yeah, my my biggest complaint, like the worst offense to me about the App Store, you know, that makes me like, kind of want to minimize my transactions there, is that Apple claims so much of the revenue from subscriptions. They call that services revenue for them. Yeah. And they lump it in with music and news and TV. And those are actual Apple services. Like they're doing something there to make it happen. Whereas you can have the exact same service outside of the app store, probably for a lesser fee because the, you know, you don't need the premium markup to cover the app store transaction cost. So, (laughs) and when that comes to maps, you know, like, what are you going to do? Switch to Apple maps because of the ads? Well, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to see anything any better there, but it's like, it it has always been that the iPhone, like you, you pay for the iPhone, you pay for the Mac and like, that's the transaction. And then you can opt into these services where you receive something in exchange, but it's never felt like you get maps because it's just like as a perk, you know? Yeah. Like the the, the investment into like maps is just embundled into the cost of the phone. Right. Mm -hmm. Like what, what, what is the product going to be? Otherwise just, you buy the hardware and every single app you buy is that you also have to buy extra like if they're going to go that model they should make the phones way cheaper and they should put apple maps and apple podcasts and um apple books this is possible but on more platforms than apple because if if those actually if the actual services are the money makers that's the business model then it you know it makes the most sense to do the tv app thing which is to put it in more places even the tv (laughs) app isn't on like android phones still which is stupid but like yeah like i completely agree the like (laughs) If you're going to, the ads are like a chunk of money, right? And like, so you can either ha- pay more and get no ads, or you pay less and you have some ads, right? And that's yeah. like the general customer transaction in most like modern businesses that actually are like friendly, right? So, like, you know, Amazon and stuff, they put ads all over their stuff, but their stuff's way cheaper. Like, when you're mm-hmm. buying a $30 Fire Stick, you put out with some ads in it. You it's know? Like incredibly <laughs> subsidized because of that. And if you look yeah, at Yeah, exactly. The, There's the, a subsidy difference there. You're getting something in return, right? Yeah, and, Whereas, and the cheapest iPhone, the iPhone SE, is like, what, three or $400? And you can mm-hmm, spend the same still amount. very expensive. Yeah. And you can spend the same amount of money and get a way more modern looking Android phone that looks a lot more like the iPhone, you know. Uh, the, the flagship iPhone models, you know, that doesn't have a chin and a button, and you know, <laughs> so there's a big difference there too. And like, what at some point the brand value of like Apple being the premium nice brand gets absolutely desecrated if they just shove ads everywhere. And ads in like App Store search, I wish they weren't there, but they don't feel as offensive as like ads in the books app you know yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. especially if they're going to put in the books app storefront i.e the place you're already also having to spend money to actually use the application that's one of the like, things where with with uh, app store ads at least they're only for apps you know they're not for anything under the sun 
um, with maps, you can imagine their sponsored location. So it's, they try to feel more native than just like, you know, here's a banner ad based on your cookie history and stuff like that. Um, and, and same thing for podcasts. Like, I guess you would have podcasts pay for ad placement. So that you could end up in search results as well. But that's kind of what Overcast does, doesn't it? Like, you sure. can, the free Overcast has ads for other podcasts in it. Yeah, so. Over, Overcast and a business where that's the business. <laughs> There's not a a big and if you hardware do pay, business. You get no ads at all. Correct. Like, you can you can pay. Whereas like the 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 pay per you know model on on Apple Podcasts is you buy the iPhone. <laughs> it's only on the iPhone. You can't have it on the Android. You know, etc. Like but. like if they had, let's say they had an Android podcast app, right? Mm-hmm. And you download the Apple Podcast app on Android, and it had ads in it. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, that makes sense, right? Because Apple, where's Apple going to make their money? Because you haven't bought the phone from them, right? Like, sure. Meanwhile, yeah. or even on this land, you're paying you you're paying exorbitant. Well, not exorbitant, but like health, very, very, very healthy margins on top of the hardware cost, right? Which is like the Apple Premium experience. Then they want to try and charge you all this stuff for all this services stuff, and then they want to shove ads everywhere. Like, there there is a limit of what people tolerate and think is nice, right? And like every <laughs> single time you put an ad somewhere. Cust- overall customer satisfaction goes down and, and the the yeah. services the services push of recent years right ignoring the app store because the app store is like a different pile of garbage right but like sure. the content <laughs> services efforts i look if you know 10 years ago would apple have done this stuff no of course they wouldn't right but we're in the modern we're in the modern world they're expanding their business the content services i think are like reasonably valid businesses that they have treated and handled and presented to customers reasonably fairly you don't have to buy them if you don't want to and they don't feel like like it would be insane if like buying an iphone included all music in the world right like it's obvious that that should be a serve an add-on service that you can buy or not buy right and it's there in the music app if you don't want to use the music app you can use a different application tv right no one's forcing you to watch apple's original content yeah okay they put it they put a you know, they they did some push notification. They put a little banner in settings that you can get rid of. Although it's slightly annoying, but in that, you know those things, things this like whatever that still feels fine. If you don't want Apple's original content, don't pay for it, right? But that's what is there to entice you in. That's what the Apple One bundles there for for you to do, like just shoving out. But now that they're kind of sat, and I think that the I'd much rather see Apple's content services do really well so that they can reduce the overall like services dependency on the App Store. So. You know, as they tout their 860 million subscription, how many they've got, when in practicality, there's probably only about 15, 20% of them are actually like Apple subscriptions, what we'd think of as like, you know, iCloud, storage, and 14, Apple Music. Yeah, I was going to say, like 14% of that is music and iCloud. Yeah, a lot of, uh, the, most, the majority of that is music yeah. and iCloud, right? Uh, but the other stuff's growing and it's small, but they, you know, they, they're investing in it. I think they make pretty good products there. They're not perfect, and we, we complain about the TV episode all the time, but I'm like, okay, it's fine. The... The App Store is like the massive, and it, and as those content services do better and better, they're like, I don't know, fiduciary need to like slam App Store commission in your face uh, gets lessened, which is great. But now, obviously, they're not content with just that, that side of the equation. We've got to like have ads everywhere. And they have to tread really, really carefully because you can't like... I, one of the differentiators of the Apple platform is like it feels premium when you paid for it and it feels ad free. Like it just feels natural that you shouldn't have ads all over the operating system. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a difference to me between ads for Apple's own services and ads for just like search ads or you know random company placement. Like some people th- don't even tolerate the the Apple ads, which you know the Apple own the Apple own like promotional stuff, which is fair enough and that's your bar. But for me, that's fine. When you cross into the territory of like we're just gonna put display advertising every single where in this device and suite of devices that you've already paid over the nose for like it just gets out of control in the same way that apple could make money in all sorts of ways that they 
choose not to because it's aesthetically displeasing to them, it's functionally displeasing to them, it doesn't fit their ethos. Like a classic example is the Intel Inside program, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, Intel would pay PC manufacturers a dollar per unit or something to have the little Intel sticker stuck on every box. And Apple never put that sticker on their boxes. Never. And they, I still don't think they would today if it, if it, if it existed. They should, start, they should start doing that on, Mac, on Intel Macs, though, just so people know. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, they would never do that. And you, it's like, it's like pre-installed like crapware rubbish, like pre-installed stuff from other manufacturers. That happens all the time on Android. Even like, you know, really expensive Samsung Galaxy phones do that kind of thing. If, if the iPhone did that, I would be so infuriated. And they haven't, and I don't think there's any chance they will. But for some reason now advertising is like becoming acceptable for them and they have to tread so carefully because you can do it in the app store search it makes some semblance of sense there even though i wish they wouldn't you can probably do it in map search and in fact like it when maps was powered by google maps all the way back in like ios 4 ios 3 ios 2 days there were google maps ads in the map search uh they would they called them like sponsored links it was basically like points of interest that were promoted over natural search results so it's not like this is like completely alien to the device but and I don't think Apple's actually making money from those. I'm pretty sure contractually all that money went to Google. But anyway, uh, like you have to tread so carefully. Otherwise, you ruin so much of what like the Apple brand stands for. And it becomes increasingly harder to to like ebulliently and emotionally, you know, not fight for them, but, you know, like promote their products and feel happy with what you're buying if they're just going to suck money in every single way possible, where they clearly don't in some regards, especially on the hardware side. But as soon as the like the pristine hardware is purchased and the software loads up, there's something like, where can we keep putting these little banners in the software now to make more and more money in, in all these different ways? Like, like they need to chill a bit. Yeah, three things for me, if I can remember all of them. Uh, let's see. First is, I think there has to be a limit where you um, you try to get more you, you try to get more revenue out of a product like the App Store and Maps, and you do make enough money there that it's worth it, and then you cross a point where you've made someone's money, but you've annoyed so many people that now you're actually making less money overall because people are not using it as much. That's probably not going to happen with like built-in apps because they've got a pretty good advantage. But to me, like that's a factor that eventually you will make so much money from this, uh, you know, making this worse of an experience that I no longer want to use your thing and I'll use something else. Um, Second thing is with ads, like, I know we talked about it because of App Store. It was like, what could you do next? Maps. That seems likely. That's that's been done before um, with with competitors. Well, you know what they don't do that would probably be actually better because I don't know that the like. I mean, they make money from the App Store search ads. Um, I'm not so sure how how maybe you do, but but how well they they do from the ads in Apple News slash Docs. But with well, the, the I don't ads think in I ever see an ad there like that terrible. I, Add on, like, so I don't mean terrible thing. in like th- how frequently. I just mean like the actual quality of the ads are right bottom tier. They're, they're not... The things you'd see at like the bottom of websites, you know, like not like the yeah. App Store ads are like nice because they're promoting other ab- ads. They have a nice format, nice layout. No, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean though, right? Like you can if you go on the news, well... <laughs> you can literally find ads for like yeah. you know dental surgery, earwax, yeah. earwax removal, all that crap. It's all in the news app. I'm sorry. Let me just yeah. clarify. Yeah. In the news app. Obviously, yeah. the stories have ads which are be good ad- shown by the publishers, right, of the yeah. articles. Um, but there are actual ads in the timeline that Apple showed directly. Yeah, yeah. 
Yes, yeah. And I believe some of the publishers also NBC do Universal, the same ad. Right? Like they use the NBC yeah. Universal ads and then Apple gets like a 20% cut and 8% commission. But that's generally funding like the actual publishers that mm. are showing up there. But Apple also has a few ads they pop in the timeline that are literally just going directly to them. Sure. The, well, often I see ads that aren't filled, so it's like <laughs> generic looking things. But uh, again, on, on my second point, um, what they could do with ads that I think there's like we, we say maps is like an obvious next opportunity for this, not in a good way, but as, as a thing that this could, could grow into. Um, there's two places they don't do ads yet, and that's they don't do ads on Apple TV Plus, which even Netflix is getting into because advertising video ads against video content is a pretty good business. And also they don't do an ad supported Apple Music tier. And in both of those with TV Plus and with Apple Music, I think they've signaled publicly that they will never do that or they are against it right now. Um, so, <laughs> so, but I feel like people would like an ad supported tier of Apple Music that competes with Spotify's free tier as well, where you don't get nearly the number of features <laughs> better than the voice only plan. Um, and I the mean, same- they would, I think they would, like obviously they presented it and marketed it from the ad free direction from the beginning because right. at the time all their efforts to do display advertising completely flopped. Sure. So they were like, well, we're just not even going to bother with that. So we're just going to, you know, use point. the marketing advantage to be like, we're completely ad free yeah. for nine ninety nine a month or whatever. If if in if I ad, which obviously was again a Steve Jobs invention, right? Because I know everyone's like blaming this all on Tim Cook, but clearly there was there was a DNA from the company before and uh-huh. an attempt to do this kind of ad stuff. Um, if I had been a massive success they'd have probably come out with an Apple Music iAd supported tier from the beginning because <laughs> they knew they could pull it off. And I think Apple TV... Like, if Apple TV Plus added an ad, an ad tier, I wouldn't feel any less about the company as long as it was cheaper, right? And they're not going to, like, you know, just add t- just add ads to the existing, you know, existing plan at the same prices or whatever. Uh, if they want to make a lower tier with this ad supported, I'd be like, great, go for it. Like, there's a yeah. difference between having, like, ad supported services and the the ads being in the like the operating system of the device that you paid for and that's what you're paying for i would know? even think it's okay if they did the disney plus model which is make the current rate ad supported and make the ad free rate even higher because you want oh, to oh yeah money. i mean like like it or not it doesn't matter exactly what time they do it whether they do it alongside an ad free tier or without the yeah. price of tv plus and all these streaming services is going to go up because it, they're unprofitable services so in time their prices have to go up so like what disney did right is they increased all their they're going to increase all their prices by about what three dollars each to get mm-hmm. ad free and the, the old original prices now will have ads in them and like you could be like oh ha ha look they made it they made it the more expensive and then added an ad tier at the same price before they would have done that like if they'd have introduced ads next year the prices would have still gone up the same right so like that kind of stuff it, i don't really care whether the the relative prices go up but as long yeah. as the, you can get like the ad tier that's cheaper than the paid tier yeah and and the trade-off is you're seeing ads like that feels like a fair customer exchange you can choose if you want to pay the however much the price stuff for these services and stuff but the thing where they like just have a paid tier and you have ads in it, it feels a lot worse obviously yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think the economics of that is, well, do you make more money from the free tiers with ads from music and, and you know, presumably TV could just have ads anyway. But um, do you make more money from that than you would from than, than the smaller number of subscribers that you would convert? Um, my last thing is I'm, I'm looking at search ads. I had this experience earlier this week where I was looking for the speed test by Ookla app to, you know, test out network speed. And that's an app with um, four star rating from 11,000 reviews or ratings and that's what I wanted. It was the first result, but above the first result, of course, is the is the search ad. And that search ad was for an app called AS 
space lytx colon trends and analytic dot 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 um, classic truncation there and it's the number one client for app store connect app stores one word um has ad you know ad label there it's a five-star app with one rating it has in-app purchases and as litex helps people see and understand data we use app store connect api parentheses developer.apple.com that's the garbage search ad that, that they you know the app store puts above the speed test app which is like you know the common app that's the kind of stuff where like the, the more you do this the worse it is like that's the kind of stuff I expect to see on the front page of the app store on the today view and on the app store page for speed tests in the future. That kind of, you know, and you know, they're not what? good. <laughs> These are all compromises, right? But if Apple wasn't taking 30% of all transactions made through the app store and they put a few ads on there to pay for it, I'd feel happy about it. It's because they, they just yeah. keep piling on stuff after stuff after stuff. It's like, how much money do you want to make from these individual things? It's like, you have to draw a line somewhere to keep the, you know, the reasonable bar alive, you know? Yep. So, here's an ad. If you want to achieve your goals, you've got to have a plan. And there's no better tool than the award-winning app, Things, to do that. The idea behind Things is simple. You create a project for each of your goals, add the steps to reach those goals, and then choose which days you'll work on them. Every morning, Things has already prepared your list of to-dos for the day. Just put them in order and get on with your day to keep you organised and on track. All of your to-dos and things sync through the cloud between things on Mac, iPhone, iPad, and even Apple Watch. And you can also connect your calendar to see events right alongside your to-dos. You can, of course, set up to-dos that automatically repeat on a schedule, and things as comprehensive markdown support. So you can easily add rich, tech no- rich text notes to your to-do items. Bold, italics, headings, code blocks, underline, the lot, with plenty of room to write. And Things prides itself on its incredible attention to detail and beautiful design. It looks good, and perhaps even more importantly, it feels good to use. Things offers a fully native app experience with impeccable care taken to the smallest details. And that's one of the reasons that Things is a two-time winner of an Apple Design Award. So if you haven't tried Things before, check out the latest version today. Go to thingsapp.com to learn about all the great features and get a free trial for your Mac. That's thingsapp.com. And of course, you can also find it in the App Store. Just search for Things. Whatever it is you want to accomplish in life, Things can help you get there. Go to thingsapp.com and try the app today. Thanks to Things for sponsoring the show. Mayo, can I tell you two things about Things? Go for it. I've been a Things user since 2013 because of Mark Gurman. He got me into it back then. And uh, the second thing is that my, my favorite thing about Things is that the Things app for the Apple Watch they they've updated it a, a while ago to be uh, where you can have your Apple Watch on cellular with no phone nearby, and you can it syncs on its own like its own client, and you can add things and remove. You're things living in the it's, future. It's you're living in modern, which not every Apple Watch app does. So uh, hugely love that about things. Thanks, things. Next up, we have a date from Apple. At which point, employees must return to the office at least three days a week. On specific we haven't days. heard this before, not at all. <laughs> the, the days of they even tried to do this like four other times, and they keep getting delayed from COVID spikes and stuff. But yeah, the, the, the date is September fifth, which, huh? Uh, and you've got a you've got a quote in the notes from from Craig Federighi that says, "For real this time." Yeah, well, so, here, here so Tim and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tim and Craig sent out memos to their employees, right? And <laughs> the the Craig memo uh, said. First, a huge thank you, blah, 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 blah. After years in limbo and a couple of full starts, it's really happening. The week of September 5th marks the true start of our hybrid work pilot in the Santa Clara Valley. And they're doing this because 
<laughs> because what? Why? What? Because well, Apple believes that what's changed? People are better. People work better when they're together in one place. That's the long and the short of it, right? And they tried to. They've been trying to start this like since about 2021, and then you know there's a COVID outbreak, so it gets pushed back, and there's they a COVID gotten, pushed back. Yeah, you haven't gotten around an, an outbreak and a new variant, and the conditions for which you know for, for why they were remote in the first place haven't changed. And so at this point, I think they're just saying we don't expect that to change in the future. This will be the case for for so long in the future that we're just going to do this now. And, and and it's the pilot, which what do they say? One year for the pilot or so, and then they'll look at it and it could just you know go away or it could adapt. Yeah. Or... So originally we're going to run the pilot across twenty twenty one, but it never got started year. in twenty twenty one. Yeah. And and the pilot is the three days a week thing. And there's this new introduction re- relaunch of this suit actually has a slight difference because before it was like you had to be in the office Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Now it's prescribed as you have to be in the office Tuesday, Thursday. And another day picked by your team leader. So each individual group inside the company will get to choose their third day to come into the office. And it could be different days. So some people can come in on Monday. Some people can come in on Wednesday. And some people can choose to come in on a Friday. Uh, team dependent. I'm not quite sure whether that's going to actually satisfy anybody that was mad about the situation. Because no. does it really matter whether it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday or Tuesday, Thursday, Friday? Like, I guess everybody's going to try and campaign for Wednesday. So you get like the long weekend of being home and stuff. But... Uh, the fact that you don't get to choose which day it is your team like boss basically chooses mm-hmm. basically irrelevant <laughs> it's like <laughs> you're just gonna have some parts of the company in on different days now and one day a week and then you're all in on tuesday and thursday like i don't really get it like i feel like if you're gonna do tell people to come back from the office you should just be like look we're doing office three days a week here here and here just get on with it or leave uh, i'm not saying that you should do that i think a lot most companies can happily survive doing remote work i mean we're all remote work and stuff of course i support that but if you're going to go the Apple route and be like, we want you to come back to the office, we believe it engenders some kind of culture. This feels like a weird half-step compromise that doesn't actually like make anybody else happy. So. My my prediction on this is that I, I, you know I don't know if they're going to stick with the full you know twelve month trial of this before they make a decision, but based on it being you know pushed back so long, I could see that twelve month you know pitch to be more like the rest of the year or the next six months the same time frame but that tim cook and company want to get this phase over with as quick as possible and then sunset this whole project and just go back to the way it was where are they going to go out to five days a week in the office that, that's my prediction yes it, you know and then there's still the avail you know still the option to you know by specific team not have it really be policy but just you know have a little bit of leeway by by team and what they do but that as a company-wide policy the, the default is five days a week back to the way it was regardless of the situation with with covid you know and this all goes up to so september 5th gotta go back to work mark Kerman has this iphone date you know for the apple event september 7th same week <laughs> it's like and it seems to be entirely remote you know maybe there'll be a press you know side of it as well like there was for wwdc but maybe there won't be um and it's happening at the same time you know it's we're not going to do an in-person event because why covid you have to come back to work now. Sorry, you know, it, it it's all goes together at the same time and not a very cohesive message. But my prediction, again, is that I think that Apple, you know, Tim Cook's Apple will let this go on for as least amount of time as possible before. Maybe to do. the end of the year, which isn't even that long away. At this point. <laughs> exactly. And then yeah. just have it be like, tried that. They won't even talk about the reason or anything. It'll just be like, they just go back to the way it was, you know, and people. Yeah, will there's, there's a weird thing where like, 
the big, big tech companies, and I would say like, you know, Apple, Microsoft, Google, mm-hmm. they all seem pretty keen on getting people back in the office. Mm-hmm. And then the like the second tier of tech companies, like, you know, the Facebooks, the Twitters, that kind of, you know, level, they are much happier about people staying at home. Well, uh, it's, actually, it's... I think I think Zuckerberg on Facebook is not actually happy about that. He was compl- he was complaining about people not working hard enough at home or something. But you know what I mean? Like there's a yeah. second tier of like tech companies that can still afford to pay these engineers incredibly competitive, incredibly high salaries, right? Mm-hmm. And perfectly good compensation, market leading compensation that are happy with remote work policy. And then the the Titans, like the trillion dollar Titans, all seem to be against the idea um, in one way or the other. And I before this like came to light i was assuming i always thought apple was going to go back to working in the office because that's their culture through and through i was like there's no way they're they're at least going to try it i was surprised that like google and microsoft are also so aggressively on that basis these big these big trillion dollar companies must see some data or some research that we don't have privy to that says it's a good idea or something but i can see a, a brain drain problem like if apple goes to say we're going back to five days a week all the people that are working for apple right now that are unhappy with that they can go and get jobs any of those like quote second tier companies mm-hmm. and they'd be getting paid the same if not more than what they're getting paid uh, to, to work at apple so like that's the risk from that's the that's the calculus that cook and executive team have to go against is like do, how hard how important is this you know serendipitous be in the office culture valuable like how much value does that really have compared to like if because that is such a that that choice has such a big impact on employees lives right commute where you have to live where like it's 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 that one decision makes such a big difference to like quality of life and all of these top tier engineers even the mid-tier engineers they basically have pick of the letter in terms of where they can go and work and you can happily leave apple and you know maybe a bit sad that you're losing you know you're leaving behind some friends and stuff but if you're you're not really worried about job security that much that's just the reality most people especially in like the engineering teams they can go and get jobs anywhere and get paid just as much so they have a lot of power and i'm not sure the allure of working for apple holds up as much more as maybe it once did and they well, have to be really careful if they want to if they want to enforce a five-day policy so many people are going to go and work for twitter or something unless you work from home yeah the, the passion for the company can be at odds with how you're actually treated by the company you know regardless of how, how you feel about the treatment, you know, how it, it's how the employee in their specific situation feels. Um, and a- Apple's leverage, you know, and, and Tim Cook knows this, of course, is uh, that stock and <laughs> the performance of the stock always improving is, is Apple's leverage because that means a lot for employees as well who hold stock in the company. And for those second tier companies where stock maybe isn't such a guarantee of, you know, long term uh, profit that, you know, flexible work from home policies like that. That's a point of leverage that they can afford to do that. Apple doesn't have to worry about, uh, you know, Apple at the top, you know. So, yeah, uh, again, you know, I predict that they'll go back to five days a week as soon as they want, as soon as they, they possibly can. And that we will absolutely see that that shift of employees that, that you know, don't like that go to other companies. And I think just the way it is, is that Apple will find people to fill those spots always. And, and you know, just because of the company and like, you know, from the outside, your aspirations to work for Apple can be different than the reality of working inside of Apple for a number of years. So fun even even if they're going to fill the slots with people mm-hmm. it could be different sets of people and that that churn that turnover has a has a cost you know mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like they they're going blazing ahead on these services to, uh, efforts and the AR headset and the car. Like, do you really want to? inject a load more disruption to those, to those projects i don't know if you do but that actually hasn't been the leading cause of churn for the apple car team though no <laughs> but it's definitely a factor i mean the the machine learning do you remember that, mach- that, he- yeah, that yes. um, he- machine learning guy he cited work from home policy as a key reason why he departed so absolutely and that was that engineer a lot of credibility um in in the in the machine learning world and yeah. he said in fact i'm gonna have to be forced to come back to the office all the time is a big reason why i've departed so mm-hmm. There's like there's, there's more of that. There. There's more of that to come from I think people who are maybe even more more publicly exposed than him. So yeah, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, speaking of that, so, iPhone, yeah, remote uh, Apple event. Yeah. Seventh. Remote event. Yeah. That's sooner than I would have thought. Although I was optimistically thinking that they would definitely have an in-person element of it for press, and that it would be like a live event on stage for for a lot of it. That they they've they've wanted to get back to the way things were in this regard as well for a long time. And it's part of the reason for Steve Jobs Theater and that an iPhone event is by nature of what it is, a smaller headcount in person than a developer conference is. But it doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, maybe maybe we'll find out about a, a in-person element of it for, for invited press like, you know, a week before or less. But for now, it just seems like we're going to have externally the same thing that we've had for the last several, which is it's, it's a remote video you know, play at a certain time and whether or not you're there or not, it doesn't matter. Even if you're press, um, the important dates are that he, he includes Mark includes some important dates here. He, he believes that September 7th is the day for the event. And then pre-orders on that following Friday, which is the, the ninth. And then of course, arriving a week later on September 16th, that all feels like a week earlier than I would just would have guessed, but that was yeah, also... the average is normally one week later than that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my whole hunch, you know, guess was based on optimistically <laughs> in person. And you, you tend to have a, a look at the, look at the last 10 years of dates. You've never had two weeks notice, but you had have between like 13 and eight notices, eight days notice for an in-person event. And then for a remote event, you know, you, you can have as few as, I don't know, five. So, um, so that, that seems to be the case again here is, <laughs> is, I mean, at the end of the day, like you're going to get the, the the iPhone sooner and you're going to get the Apple Watch sooner. So, and, and it doesn't seem to be an issue with, with shipping and manufacturing this time. Like in the year, in years past, we've had, you know, the bigger version of the phone or the more pro version of the phone, or in, in certain years, even I think the cheaper version of the phone ship after another version of it. And in this case, it sounds, it sounds like from like Quo and yeah, even, even pre pandemic nonsense, like the iPhone yeah. 10R came in yeah. October and the iPhone 10S came in September. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like though from Quo, like no, all versions of the phone and watch seem to be just on track for normal development. And I mean, whether or not they, they sell out quickly is another thing, but at least there'll be some. But there's for, been for some rumors one. that like the, the max non pro model is having some production issues, but not enough to like delay the release date. It might just be in constrained for a while. Sure. And that's, kind of the newest of the phones in terms of like a, a configuration that wasn't previously available so it sort of fits the bill as like the newest <laughs> they're probably the like most popular to be honest because sure, like sure. you're getting the big screen for a cheaper price like yeah. what, it, it feels like hard to uh hard to knock that that is going to sh- sell like hotcakes in the stores and stuff yeah we'll talk more on iphone in a few weeks i think but yeah. for now but 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 as it stands today the apple event in september we expect iphone and apple watch and nothing else right Right, and then October, November, you get the you know Mac and the iPad. Macs and Apple TV, Defin- and definitely iPad. iPad, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just so just iPhone, 
on September seventh, which is a Wednesday. Okay. Well, they made yeah. like like six iPhones and twelve watches now, so that's a pretty pretty packed event. <laughs> yeah, they they'll have enough to talk about for an hour, especially as a a, a remote only event kind of situation. I like you. I hope I I want them to go back to in person events. I kind of bored of the virtual event. I think they Apple does the best virtual events they can, and they definitely lead the industry on production value and stuff. But they they do start to wear thin after three years of it like they it's, can, it's there's only weird. so many different ways they can do like a drone shot around the apple park campus before it's like i'd rather you because the, the problem with the virtual events is like they're slightly more boring because there's no element of risk or surprise like everything that's going to happen has already been shot so it's going to be a perfect run of a video for an hour there was always that fun like at least from, from my perspective when i was watching the streamed stage events there was that chance that something's going to go a bit wrong or they were going to have to like be on the fly and be a bit ad hoc or you get like an audience reaction and then like you know someone laughs or whatever and Crayford is like yeah and then you know they like join in or you have the year where the iPhone 10 face ID wasn't working on that demo unit and then because it had actually locked itself and yeah like all that stuff is what that's the magic and then the fact that the, the impressive part to me is that Apple would you know practice and practice and practice they come out on stage and 99% of the time, it was like a fool's presentation, and you'd be impressed by their dedication to doing it well and having a good demo, right? Yeah. The video events don't have any of that. It's just like, if if they mess up a take, they'll just re-record it. You know it's going to be perfect. And video- so that's where some of the <laughs> glossiness disappears. Video events would be fine if they were also saying, we also have a remote work policy that's super generous <laughs> and flexible. But you can't have both. Well, Apple can't have both, and they're doing both right now, where they say, come to work, and we're going to have a remote event. But uh, alas... Well, do you know, it's because the events team uh, didn't choose the Wednesday as the day no, that they work from home. So that's why the event's on a Wednesday. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. If it, if the event was on the, <laughs> the Monday or the Tuesday, sorry, if the event was on the Tuesday, it would have been in person. It's just mm-hmm. this happened to be Wednesday. So they're working from home. I'm sorry. Yeah. First first event, uh, if this works out, uh, on Labor Day since the iPhone 7. Or oh, on, is that, on, is that on, a holiday? On that the day? week of Labor Day. Yeah, okay, the week. Okay, the the, the week, Monday yeah. is the holiday, so like the Tuesday and Wednesday are in action, but the Monday is not. Because normally they do it the week after, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Check them out at betterhelp.com slash hour. Have you thought about the ways that you take care of your mind? There's so much focus on physical fitness and gyms and working out and... You know, all that stuff's important and true, but mental well-being is also crucial and often overlooked. We only have one brain, so we should all look after it more than we do. How we care for our mind affects how we experience life, so it's important to invest the time to keep it healthy. A great way to take care of your brain is getting regularly good sleep or taking up something stimulating like learning a new language. And another way is through therapy. And that's where BetterHelp Online Therapy comes in. It sounds a bit silly, but just having someone to talk to is the key to relieving so much stress and anxiety. Therapy is a great tool to discuss your lifestyle issues with a neutral party who is understanding and responsive to your problems. And therapists are particularly trained to help you, your mental well-being. They know how to listen and they know how to help best. So what is BetterHelp exactly? BetterHelp is custom online therapy that offers video, phone, and live chat online sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Just do what you're comfortable with. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash hour. That's spelled B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash hour. Betterhelp.com slash hour. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show you know we always stick to the wednesday or the thursday recording and friday release for our podcast every week even on event 
uh, weeks. And if it's on the seventh Wednesday, then we record the next day, which is sooner than usual. <laughs> Close, that's a factor. That's true. Closer to live reaction than than ever before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, iOS sixteen beta six came out this week. This is uh, one week after iOS sixteen beta five, so we've got this nice weekly release for now. Um, leading up to they, they need to be if the iPhone's coming out a week earlier. <laughs> the actual release, exactly. Um, I want to give you just a, a, a quick aside from this uh mm-hmm. i went i think during beta 5 i uh, you know or during beta 4 i went from the beta back to the official release my phone was getting hot most notably i couldn't take a video longer than seven seconds before the camera app would crash because you know memory leaks etc um that was nice and then you know beta 6 comes out and, and the real issue is that my watch was on the watch OS 9 beta and i really couldn't use it very well without it being synced to the phone and um to, to have the watch be operable you needed to send it in and have it reverted or update my phone again and have it compatible again which is the easier thing to do which i did um last christmas i got uh, an outback steakhouse gift card for 50 dollars from my family this is the same place that uh wozniak checks in on on uh, on foursquare uh but is is a physical card and i thought i lost it when i moved but i found it recently and i was like oh cool i thought i lost that um look, looked at it to put it in my wallet and behind the actual card was a as a um a, a scan to wallet passcode so that you could put it in the uh, wallet app on the iphone so i did that and then discarded the card because i thought well i might lose that but i won't lose my phone when i downgraded i lost the gift card it was gone because oh, i did like no. a yeah i did like a dfu thing and just clean and install and it wasn't there and i just thought oh wow i found a way to actually lose that thing again for real this time and i just you know oh well i lost that uh and then when i went back to beta 6 it came back because i guess it was synced <laughs> with icloud or whatever but it only was present on that version so yeah i have my money again for outback <laughs> i thought that funny. it was just a really pleasant surprise of like open the wall oh there it is cool uh Actually, you know, changing for the beta, uh, some lock screen differences. What have you got there? Yeah, so this is specifically if you're in landscape and you may go, the iPhone doesn't have a landscape lock screen. Well, it does if you're inside an application and it's essentially like the notification center tray thing. So if you open an app that's in landscape, so Safari or Mail or whatever, and you pull down from the top of the screen, you open notification center locks, whatever you want to call it. But in the previous versions, the previous betas, all that happened there was like your notifications were dead centered and there was just a massive blank space around the outside. And it was a weird regression because on iOS 15 and earlier, they would do like a two column layout where there was the time on the left and then the notifications scrolling on the right. And obviously they redid the lock screen big time uh, this cycle. And for whatever reason, the landscape mode had just been downgraded to a single column. Well, luckily in beta six is now basically the iOS 15 layout again. So you get the time on the left and you get notifications on the right, just a bit better use of the space you know yeah does iOS or does iphone 7 get ios 16 it doesn't does it no it's iphone 8 and up yeah iphone 8 though iphone 8 plus would have a landscape home screen right they didn't get rid of that entirely or did they i don't actually know the answer to that question because all the all the notch phones don't have landscape home screens right but the iphone 8 plus it did at the time i don't know if it's gone yet i could could see it being removed in a software update but yeah that was the with the, The, the i know that the landscape home screen gets disabled if you use a widget so if you use a home screen widget of any kind, you can't yeah. do a landscape lock screen anymore. But I think at least this was true with 15. I don't know with 16. But on 15, if you didn't use widgets, you could still turn your actual home screen to landscape. And, and it you would... get your dock on the right side and everything just rotates in place. Because mm-hmm. that was an iPhone 6 Plus feature was was the landscape, the landscape home screen, which in that case, you could go to 
um, notification center or your lock screen from from your home screen, not just Safari and landscape. But yeah. one thing I kind of wish they do. This Wonder. is a bit of a tangent, but I wish they'd give us a landscape lock screen on the newer phones. But they don't need to like rotate everything. Just make the icons like twist by ninety degrees, so it's the right way up. Yeah. So like you don't yeah. you don't need to change the layout. Just that would that would that would work for like the four by four size widgets. I think if it was like the or two by two, if it was four by two, then I don't know what you would do, but it would work. Yeah, for I guess you could maybe have like sizes. a portrait orientation of the widget only, so like the content of the widget moves. But yeah, I wonder how practical or useful it was to have a landscape home screen. I mean, they probably got rid of it because nobody used it. <laughs> yeah, or is this more effort? Well, because remember that the six plus also did that thing where like the the mail app would give you a two column layout in landscape and like mm-hmm. they tried to make it more iPad-y in landscape. You had more and, buttons on yeah. yeah, it had a wider size class. Now, so this there is one feature that requires landscape on the iPhone no matter what size you have, including the mini, and that's the handwritten like like you know, sketch in a note, not like digital types <laughs> where it disappears, but like handwrite a note and send it in messages. I don't know why that's landscape only, but the button only appears there. You know where it should be is as as an app, like an iMessage app, like they did with the audio messages in this release, and photos, and digital mm-hmm. touch, and everything else. But it's landscape only. So if you ever get a note from someone, they really put in the effort to rotate their phone before they send it to you. And I've uh, never seen anybody <laughs> use that handwriting thing in messages. It's fine to do ironically. Uh, next up is low power mode. What's changed there in this beta? So the battery percentage hasn't changed, by the way, but. What used to happen with low power mode, if you had a... So, ignoring the fact that until, for the last few years, we've all used phones that don't support the battery percentage because they're all notches. But if you go pre-notch land, the like the iPhone 8 or whatever, if you turned on low power mode, it would turn on battery percentage. And you couldn't turn it off. So, like, although there's two separate toggles, as soon as you turn low power mode on, the battery percent toggle would gray out and it'd be forced on until you left low power mode. Mm-hmm. I guess because they think that if you're in low power mode, you really care what your battery percentage is. But that wasn't really a factor in the notch phone lands because there was no battery percentage option. So you turn the power mode on and you wouldn't see any of that. Uh, when they added the battery percentage option in the last beta, low power mode, that low, same low power mode functionality where you turn the power mode on and the battery percentage turns on had come back because they obviously hadn't taken it out. Uh, it's kind of annoying if you just don't want the percentage but you still want to be in low power mode. And that's kind of my condition like i don't want the percentage but if my battery gets low i want them to go low i want to turn low power mode on just to preserve the battery life a bit longer but i, I still don't really care what the percentage is and so in beta 6 now they've removed the linking of the two toggles so now if you turn low power mode the battery percentage doesn't turn on simple as that so you just get this the old design still which is nice nice uh, because i'm doing the beta now i got to see the toggle for the percentage battery and i turned it on and I think it like design wise is fine. I think it's the best that, that they can do. Um, but the fact that it's just bulkier and bolder than anything else, like the the network icon. It sticks out a bit. Yeah. It sticks out a bit, yeah. And so I just turned it back off and it felt like, okay, now everything is the same weight. <laughs> then it's okay by me. Um but, yep. So yeah, if you'd have done that beta five and you want to use low power mode, you'd be forced to see the bulky battery now. I don't, I don't end up anymore. in low power mode very often, but that's okay. Uh, I and that was, was basically just, it, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I kind of had some, you know, just some thoughts about we're getting pretty close to the iPhone event, you know, by Mark's measure at least. And of course, um, the progress of iOS 16 is is a little bit better internally than it is through the betas. Um, but 
just just some things that are kind of still outstanding on an iPhone at least. For me, it, it's the the fact that when you upgrade, which I've done a few times now because I've gone back and forth, but when you upgrade your existing wallpaper, like even if it's a photo that you have, that can't be a customizable wallpaper. You have to make a new one to do any customization, which is weird. I mean, it changes the the, the weight of the font for the clock and like. If you, and also I had a picture that I thought this would be pretty good for the depth effect, and I had to just go and find it again and and recreate it to make that any in any way customizable, which I think is just a weird flow for most customers to have to go through. Um, so that's strange. And then also, it's still weird. It's still difficult, next to impossible, to customize the the home screen without going through ten steps to do that. If you just want to change your home screen wallpaper, not your lock screen, since they're so connected. So, so I think there's some, there's some strange things there. You know, the, the lack of being able to reorder those is a little bit more down the line. But yeah, if you want to change your home screen independently, you have to go to the settings wallpaper section, mm-hmm. and then you can click customize <laughs> just on the right bit. Yeah, let you do that. Yeah, but they, I- they're definitely trying to prod people into the direction of your lock screen and home screen backgrounds are the same. Yeah, even if you just want to toggle the blur. Like you've either got to go through settings or if you do it from the lock screen, then you've got to confirm like everything else. So it's, it's kind of weird. Um, you mentioned the now playing wobbly situation. So when you go between the the album artwork as part of the now playing uh, bubble or you make it your full screen, you know, presentation that it's like the animation. is. I think it's trying to be an- animated, but it's just weird right now. It kind of wobbles and it looks janky. So. It glitches out, yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people talk about spotlight bugs. I haven't had those, but people seem to, seem to have them and then confirm them as new betas come out. Uh, and then I think your point of view is that the iPhone of all the betas seems like the most stable, which, which is important. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel that. It feels decent, and it definitely feels shippable in three weeks' time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, I don't. there's nothing on the phone where I'm worried or cautious or think they've made a bad choice like you can obviously you can always debate the details like on the wallpaper stuff um but overall ios 16 for the iphone is i'd say largely uncontroversial and adds a few new features that should make people happy yeah i think what to me those features are lock screen and icloud share photo library yeah i think i think uh the apple watch beta is pretty good too doesn't change very much though but well that's the thing with the watch it is pretty stable, but there's also not really anything to do. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, the thing about the watch that annoys me is the notification banner style thing, where mm. now if the watch is awake, the notifications always come in as a really small banner. Like is there the enough toggle for that? There's no toggle. If there was a toggle, I'd toggle it off and be happy. But so, ne- so next year you'll get the toggle for that. Yeah, next year that will, or probably I what's what's the what is it uh, WatchOS nine? Yeah, nine. Yeah, WatchOS nine point one. They'll add a toggle. That's optimistic. I think it's, I think it's ten. Because um, the the, mm-hmm. the 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 bat like and I have you have to remember I have the smallest watch. It's only forty millimeters, and that yeah. banner notification basically unusable <laughs> it's like, i know which app is making a notification if i actually want to read the content of it i've got to click on it and wait for it to come up and i use my watch far and away number one use it's a notifications device for messages and other notifications so when notifications come in on my watch i want to see them yeah and now this new design if the you know if i'm looking at the clock face if i'm if i'm looking at clock face it comes in a banner if i'm in an app it comes in a banner and i complain about this on twitter and people said look when you're in an app you don't want to be distracted you don't want to be annoyed so they just do a little banner like the iphone does and there are plenty of people that probably do use the watch in that way 
I'm not one of them. I, the, the watch to me, I've already turned off every single notification that I don't care about. So it only gets the notifications that I really care about, i.e. the notifications I that I want to take you. over yeah. my whole experience, right? Yeah. And yeah. now there's no way for me to do that. It's actually diminished the utility of the, as a notifications device because now there's always extra taps to see the thing that's just come in. So I hope they add a setting for it, but it's not there at the moment. I think it was a toggle. I would try the old way again. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and and even it, even yeah. without the toggle coming in, I think if you're on the clock face, it should still be a full screen notification, not a banner. I agree. I agree with that. Because yeah. what's the like? <laughs> you're just on the clock face, and I'm, I mean, I don't even have always on. But if you have an always on watch, if it's in the always on mode, it still comes in as a banner, not as a full screen thing. Like, so it's not just when you're actively using the watch; it's just as long as the screen's on. So I think they made the wrong choice there, or at least they need to offer an option. And so far, that isn't there. But stability-wise, the watch is fine. The iPhone, the iPad and Mac features are more controversial, and we'll talk about one of them in a minute. But first, Happy Hour is sponsored this week by New Relic. Developers are curious. They want to explore the newest technology, dive into documentation, and implement the newest, fanciest features. I make apps. I definitely fall into that camp of just wanting to play around with the brand new frameworks. And sometimes that's the right thing to do, but other times it isn't. And what New Relic does is provide you hard data to back up the curiosity so you know what direction you should go in with confidence. New Relic helps engineers understand exactly why things are happening or why something is going wrong. And you can accurately debug issues on the fly and plan future changes to your tech stack. New Relic gives you data about what you're building and shows what's really happening in your software lifecycle. It's a single place to see data from your entire stack, front-end and back-end, so you don't have to look into 16 different separate tools and try to manually connect them together. Instead, New Relic pinpoints issues down to the exact line of code so you know why problems are happening and can resolve them quickly. And that's why the dev and ops teams at DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games and more than 14,000 other companies are using New Relic to debug and improve their software. When teams come together around data, it allows you to triage problems, be confident in decisions, and reduce the time needed to resolve issues, relying on hard data, not opinion. So use the data platform made for the curious. Right now, you can get access to the whole new platform and 100 gigabytes of data per month, free forever, no credit card required. Sign up at newrelic.com slash happy hour. That's spelled N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash happy hour. Newrelic.com slash happy hour thanks to new relic for sponsoring the show yeah you're speaking of controversial ipad features uh i had the chance this week to try stage manager on the ipad for the first time because i don't have an ipad uh, i don't have an m1 ipad my kid has an ipad but it's not m1 of course um but i had some hands-on time with an m1 ipad air the really pretty blue color and uh, we're you know, just curious to try out Stage Manager because I've done it on the Mac, and on the Mac I've just gotten no use for it. But on the iPad, it's, of course, does let you do more than you could before. Um, and just just some, a few ideas. I mean, none of them are like you know earth shaking, but just just my experience is that um, you're going to solve the entire Stage Manager right now. I'm, I'm going to solve it for me, which is to say it isn't <laughs> for me. Um, the proximity to uh windowing like on on the mac or windows you know just the idea of like having multiple windows you can use like on a desktop computer um it's so close but it's it's not there there's some things that uh initially i was like oh this is this is closer to windowing than i thought it would be especially the the more polished version that i was using than like the first few betas um i thought that you know the, the little bottom right corner curve indicator where you can resize windows Felt pretty good. Um, didn't didn't mind that at all. 
um, there is kind of a disconnect of like grabbing windows from the top and moving them around in the way that I, you're used to on, on just having any kind of a, a title bar on the Mac. But, um, you know, you get, you get used to it, if, especially if it's the only thing that you know. Um, but it, it's so close. But where it kind of fell apart for me was what I'm used to on the Mac and even on the iPad, which is something like mission control style um, multitasking view where you, you know, you go up and everything spreads out like you were on a desk and you just made a big pile, like, you know, take up the full span of your desk and you can see all these different windows, groups of apps together, everything like that. Um, the, the, the fact that you can't do that or when you, when you do try that out, um, it reminded me a lot of group FaceTime before you had the grid button where it was like, um, you know, the way that the windows try to be clever about showing you your background and overlapping over each other because it's a thing that you can do. It, it reminded me of group FaceTime before they had the grid button because it was like floating windows that would change by size based on who was speaking and overlap. And you had so much dead space behind it that could have been used more efficiently. And then they eventually added the grid button where you can, in fact, make a grid of six people and they're all the same size and nothing's moving around. So it reminded me of yeah, that. Like the, the, the non-grid is like fancy aesthetically, but it's also kind of chaotic and sure. not as useful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and of course, like the default on multitasking for the iPad is like you, you do split the screen in half or you have something floating over something. But um, with that, they're, they're pretty far from that where it's it's not full screen because it has to be different from that, you know. Um the other thing is is when you do use multitasking, so you swipe up from the bottom of the iPad and you enter your multitasking you know view of of apps, the uh, stage manager view that you're in is just one of the windows, which maybe makes sense, but um and also I, I think that's where I expect to see like the stage manager for apps spread out and then you can sort of pick between the ones that you want. Um, but it just seems so weird that that's like its own window or space and then everywhere else you've got the different apps and uh in my you know few days of using it i never had a great sense of i know what will happen if i tap this app icon in multitasking or the dock or in and switching you know with the keyboard shortcut or something like that like or where where were the gestures take me between apps because it is so separate of a mode uh and, and, and it's very <laughs> conditional like if you're mm-hmm. in this circumstance you press this this is going to happen if you're in this yeah. circumstance this other thing's going to happen yeah and you lose the kind of know, muscle memory almost or like contextual confidence to know that okay this is what's going to happen when i do this and yeah the, the, the that's metaphor... really essential for the ipad because the ipad thrived on being simple and easy to access and the fact is the, the the standard iPad usage model is you press an icon, it launches the icon, you press mm-hmm. the you, you go home, it goes home. Yeah. It's, it's especially all true of the multitasking stuff they yeah. try. Yeah. Keeps making it more and more complicated and less and less simple. And stage manager is does not address that at all. It's the exact yeah, same it's, mess. Uh, yeah, on the iPad you're always adding an, another layer of complexity that people want to be more functional but you still maintain the basic and then the medium level as well. And they all live together. Like if you, you can turn off, you know, you can never use stage manager and you can literally turn off multitasking, like split the view and slide over. That's how I have my, my kid's iPad set up. So he never has an, you know, any interference there. Um, but when you go up one hot, one level higher, you still have the basic level as well, which can be conflicting, especially the higher you get. Um, Safari, so I mean, like Safari is the best example there for me because you can have multiple windows of Safari. So then you never really know. You can never predict you, you can certainly navigate around and figure it out, but it, it's always kind of a guess of like, am I going to use Safari full screen or is this in a split view? Is this in, in um, stage manager? You know, because you can have so many instances of it in different 
ways of looking at it. And in that case, it's like, is this tab there or is it in that view or is it full screen? You know, messages as well. Like, you know, you, you can make your messages window very small in Sage Manager, um, but you can just as easily get pulled into full screen messages or messages in split, split view. So d- didn't love that. And that was kind of a, a, a viewpoint I didn't just observe from the feature, you know, and how it's made. So um, just just having experience with it was like, oh, this is even less lovely than I expected it to be. Uh, and it's those frictions that ultimately yeah. make you drop, stop using it because yeah. it's not worth the hassle. <laughs> yeah. Philosophically in the Mac, I feel like Sage Manager is is a, is a feature that's, um, it's a lesser thing that you can do and you can ignore it, but it's sort of a simplica- simplification of, 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 of a way of using the Mac, you know. And, and again, I haven't used Ventura, but yeah. just by looking at it and thinking about it, like I almost feel like Stage Manager is, more complicated than the spaces metaphor, but also less useful. So it's kind of like the worst of both worlds. Like, mm-hmm. if 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 all Stage Manager did was put a dock on the left side of the screen that showed your spaces, and you just like click to switch between the spaces, yeah. I feel like that mental model would be so much simpler, and it's still very powerful. Yeah. And everyone knows how to use spaces, and you basically get spaces just with a little like visual indicator instead of having uh, to go to Mission Control to see those thumbnails across the top. I will say, like the- Stage Manager on the Mac better than on the iPad. <laughs> Yeah, that's, but I think that's more a function of like multiple, like just multitasking in general is better on the Mac. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's true. Better. Yeah, um, um, but like I don't think I struggle to see a benefit of Stage Manager over just the, how spaces work. And spaces are a great space. I mean, this in the name, it's spatial, isn't it? Like the window's here, or it's off to the right, or it's off to the right on these, yeah. you know, little holes that you can visually see, and you can click in and zoom out, and you can swipe between them. Stage Manager is like much more mystery, mate. Oh, we've got. This tray on the left-hand side that has a limit of how many actual things it can have, like six or whatever. And then if you run off the end, it's going to go over here and jump around. And like the window sets never quite work. Whereas like spaces, you always know if you put these windows in here, they're staying over there. If you click, you can see your whole screen move to the left or move to the right. You can keep the mental model of like where you are um, geographically almost in the operating system. And I think like spaces are just probably just a better version of stage manager and stage manager is like overly complicated and doesn't really give you much more functionality maybe there was a reason it was mocked up a decade ago and then only shipped you know now but uh i guess what i'm saying is yeah. if they did spaces on the ipad and that's how you did multitasking it might have been a better route uh, spa- spaces is almost the way the ipad works in full screen at least um of course you just you don't have the different desktops and etc but anyway um on, on the ipad i think the or on the mac i think the appeal of stage manager is that it's just so different so if you're like an enthusiast about you know trying new things out and you want something that's way different not just looks different then it's appealing but when I, I haven't yet found a way that it's more than just a curiosity and a fun thing to try and then actually have it be something that i use more than just you know like i said to try out and then get frustrated by um on the ipad it's essential if you want to do more with the ipad you know if you want to do more on the mac you just use the mac if you want to do more on the ipad you need stage manager because that, that's what can do the most um it just does not mesh well with the existing you know ways of, of using the ipad um and then i then i <laughs> thought you know okay i've got an apple studio display and i've got this ipad with, with USB-C. let me plug it in and try out that um the extended display feature because that's always been a big limitation on the ipad is you plug it in and it just mirrors your screen and now there's stage manager which if you use it with the display you can go from four to eight apps because you've got two instances of your ipad screen it's almost like uh like you're talking about spaces what it could be two and you there'd be separate spaces on the one ipad but um, and I'm using all of this with just touch input, you know, the iPad on its own, not not pairing anything with it. And I was met with the the sad reality of, you know, 
you need a mouse and keyboard to use extended display. Otherwise, it's just screen mirroring. The mouse I get because, okay, you're doing a way of controlling input with it without touch on an external display. The keyboard requirement, don't know. That that just felt limiting. Uh, I guess Apple's main thinking is like put it in in this magic keyboard case and you have both. Uh, but but yeah, you, you need a mouse and keyboard paired to that. And so yeah, the, the mouse I, mm-hmm. somewhat you know it makes sense. Yeah, but you could see if you've just got a mouse connected that if you clicked on a text field on that external display, it could just bring up the virtual keyboard on the iPad screen. Like yeah. Yeah, and you could even well, you could even have a virtual trackpad, like you know how you do the space bar to move your cursor around a text field. You could have. I know, like but that. that feels less like that feels more wacky. Like, yeah, I can see why I can see why <laughs> they at least require you to have a mouse. The keyboard yeah. requirement did surprise me because there's plenty of opportunities where, like, maybe you're just you know in the office and you're using the iPad for work, and you're like, oh, I'll just plug it in over here and show you some stuff, and it's like, well, now I can't even like mirror and put you two, two windows up on the external display unless I go and grab my keyboard as well which I guess they're, they're hoping that people use those keyboard cases right but yeah. I always hate like I don't like using the iPad with a keyboard or a mouse so any feature that's like trying to encourage basically turning the iPad into a bigger thicker heavier laptop I always yeah. kind of have a distaste for yeah, I, I like using the iPad in portrait orientation and holding it in my hand and using touch input that's that's where it appeals for me because it's so different from the Mac but when you make it more like a like a laptop yeah there's uh thick and heavy downsides to that um and then and then you have a point which is you know the how you think stage manager will even launch uh on, on iPad what's that yeah so we know iPad OS isn't coming till October alongside macOS, right? So they've already got another month to do at, refinements. At the earliest, yeah. yeah. At, the, at the earliest, yeah. So they've got at least another month to do some refinements, and I'm sure there'll be some changes. But I could, given the state of stage manager today, and there's so much... I mean, recently the, the, the Twitter hive mind moved on to the system settings app in Ventura, but before that, everyone was complaining about stage manager being incomplete, confusing, I don't know what happens when I press these buttons. like, And, and I, I can see it, I can get it. And I wonder, I think there's a decent chance that the feature will ship with some minor changes in October, but w- what their solution will be is they'll just put a beta label on it. Just like they did with like Universal Control last year or whatever. Like the feature is nowhere near as problematic or like it's not it's nowhere as close to a disaster situation as Safari was with iOS 15. Because Safari if, if it was like the web browser and it was the only way you could use the web browser and it affected the iPhone. Stage Manager doesn't affect the iPhone, so it's already way lower priority. And you don't have to use it at all. It's, it's already designed as an opt-in feature, and it's like hidden away in that little control center thing. So already you don't really... like They could launch it with it in a terrible state, and people will just never see it. And so they, there you go. That'd be one solution. But I think maybe a fairer solution to address criticism, even if they don't have the time to fully redesign it or fix it right now, just put a beta label on it. Yeah. Then it would say universal control beta. Or maybe they bury it in settings rather than being control centers. You have to like turn it on in settings first and then it appears in control center or something. Like that is a way for them to not have to worry about the timeline crunch. Because yeah, they, part of the reason they've delayed the iPad OS release is to give it some time. But it's also to prioritize shipping the iPhone out. So like I don't expect there to be ginormous changes to stage manager, at least in the point oh. But if they give it a beta label, that's like them admitting you know, this isn't fully done, we're not fully happy with it, we get it, we're hearing you, but it still stops them from actually having to do, like, additional engineering work that they probably, in only a couple of weeks, will run out of time to do. Yeah, that makes the whole M1 requirement, too, just 
less egregious because then it's like, no, you really don't want it if you don't have an M1. Like it will be even worse of an experience because we're doing our best to make this work on M1 and higher. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Make make it beta. Make Control Center a place for all the beta features, or put it in settings. <laughs> I, I agree and every with time, that. like, I wish Apple would come out with features that were perfect design, beautiful, stunning, hard to complain about, and that'd be great. And they just ship them at the door. Mm-hmm. The reality is. Even a company like Apple does not does not have surefire hits every single time, especially with their software platforms that aren't the iPhone. And so there are realities of the world where they're going to get stuff wrong. They do get stuff wrong. They've got stuff wrong in the past. We've never had a, a satisfying multitasking experience on the iPad. doesn't matter what year you choose. <laughs> and so shipping it as a beta first is a decent compromise and being like, look, we try this, guys. We're not going to totally give up on it, but we also realize that it doesn't fully fulfill our hopes and dreams. So if we stick a beta label on it, that's like an admission to you that we know we're going to think about it some more and gives us time to come back in point one, point two, point three, or even iOS 17 and do it again. Yep. And, and you know, on, on the Mac, like even in the mid, mid cycles of OS 10, you had changes in multitasking, at least in the way that you would extend your desktop to be more, more than one. Like, I forget the name for it, if there even was a name for it that, that changed, but before you have like full screen apps as a thing and multiple desktops, you would have the spaces implementation where there was basically you could do four <laughs> and it was like one was to the right, one was to the bottom, and then one was like diagonal, but you had to go left, right, you know, to get to those. So, um, yeah, that was pre mission control. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it took until it was macOS line, which I think was 10.7, where they got mission control. And then they they kind of borrowed from the iPad with full screen apps and you know. A, a mission up. control, I felt it was such a triumph. Like it brought together mm-hmm. spaces and expose. Good name too. In, <laughs> yeah, in a really clever, sensible, understandable way where you can do one gesture and you basically see everything that's going on on your computer in little thumbnails, and you can rearrange the groups from mission control. You can pull them out of spaces and drop in another one you can make a new space really easily you can get rid of a space you can like it offers so much functionality in one screen and it unifies together so many of like the previously split up features of mac os that's what something like mission control like the unifying theory of mission control is what i've been hoping they'd roll out to the ipad in the last decade at some point and they just never got there and instead we've just got layer on layer on layer and now you have like the two modes of multitasking where you've got the split view mode or the stage manager mode so they're certainly even if stage manager was 100% perfect and worked perfectly and everything it was very intuitive and understandable I still wouldn't consider it a home run success because it's still fighting with split view stuff like it doesn't make sense for on to have two completely separate modes that uh, don't really talk together they need like some unifying concept and that's just not there at the moment. Yeah. So here's where I give Apple permission to continue trying things out, but eventually having that unified experience with multitasking. Um, it, you know, e- even if you're on Mac or you're on iOS 16 or iPadOS 16, come this, come you know October November, uh, and and really iPads began with what three or four? It was four, right? Four point. No, it's three point two. Three point two. Okay. Release, yeah. yeah. So, so you get to subtract a few numbers from that, you know, and and you look at that and you say, okay, well, ten point seven is where Mac OS ten got got this kind of figured out and stuck with the same thing, you know, going forward. And that was the eighth release of Mac OS ten. So, um, you know, it's not not too far off to go from like twelve or thirteen, you know, eight. There's still time they can they can get this right, and it'll just be best for everybody. But this is, this is not the year. This is the year where they get closer. They try more things than ever, but not unify everything together. And that's where 
it just isn't polished and isn't great yet where you know on, on the mac it's it's mature but like it also took iteration to get to where it is today and you know so hope there's hope for the ipad in the future <laughs> they're not giving up on it and that is the happy hour podcast for this week uh, if you enjoy the show, please uh, follow the podcast to uh, get every episode every week. You can subscribe and up a podcast to get the ad free version for $4.99 per month or $49.99 per year. We have a special uh, episode for subscribers as well, where me and some of my colleagues around the network talk about Broad Mankind season three. And so that's subscriber only for now. Uh, and if you enjoy the show, you can also uh, let us know. You can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. You can follow me on Twitter at ApolloZac, that's A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at... B-Z-A-Man. And we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.